Let's go. Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, something a little bit different this week. Horace and I had Anders Brownworth, Horace's co-host in the Critical Path, on to talk about crypto, blockchains, and markets for trust. It is a little bit like an episode of The Critical Path, but I thought I'd post here just so that you could hear what we had to say as we do end up covering off micromobility. We tried our best to keep away from the technical stuff, but uh, failed a little at times. If you're listening to this, it might help if you have a basic understanding of what a blockchain is or how it works. I'm linking to an explainer video from Anders on Blockchain 101 which he references in the episode, but as it turns out, now has more than a million views, so it's clearly pretty good that it'll help get you up to speed. We talk generally about what a blockchain is and why it's such an interesting innovation, how that parallels the trust and why it could help us remake society and address the issues like fake news and decaying trusts in government institutions. In terms of news, a group of Formula One and Formula E drivers are starting a new e-scooter racing series called e-scooter, which is set to launch in 2021. Competitors in the series will zip through the streets of a yet unannounced city on a custom-built scooter at speeds of up to 100 kilometers an hour or 62 miles an hour for you Americans and Brits. Long-time listeners will know that Horace has been predicting something like this for a while. It'll be awesome to see the tech from these scooters hopefully make their way over to the consumer versions in the years to come. Next up, a European insurance company crunched the numbers on claims from those who ride electric bikes over conventional bikes and found that it resulted in 38% fewer insurance claims. So, in response, dropped their premiums by a quarter. The reasoning is that e-bikers are more risk-averse and also more capable of being able to flow in traffic, resulting in less crashes. And finally, the progressive case against cars was made in the New York Times under the title of an article, I've seen the future without cars and it's amazing. Talking about a proposal from the firm PAU. If you've not seen it, I suggest you go check it out. I'll link to it here in the show notes and it's one of the best visualized articles I've ever seen. It makes the case for a New York powered by micromobility and public transport at its core. It calls that rather than stumble back into car dependency, cities can begin to undo their worst mistake, giving up so much of their land to the automobile. We'll see what happens with it, but it certainly inspired a lot of discussion on Twitter about the opportunity that the COVID pandemic is presenting. Finally, before we dig in, just a reminder that we're looking for sponsors for the podcast. We reach a diverse global audience, who are typically early adopters, affluent and strong influences in the community about issues of micromobility. If you're interested in talking to them, talk to me via a DM on Twitter and we can go from there. And with that, here's Horace, Anders and myself. Well, welcome back. Uh, I, I, my name's Oliver. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I, I'm not normally on the critical path. Normally Horace and I are on the uh, micromobility show, um, but I'm here today with Anders, who is uh, normally on the critical path, and, and Horace. How are you guys going today? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Interesting. Uh, worlds collide here. It is a little uh, <laughs> bit of worlds collide. So I, maybe, maybe to provide some framing. 
Um, this this came about because Horace and I, at the end of one of our micromobility uh, recordings, had been talking about Bitcoin and uh, and this notion of trust. And um, there was a very interest. I mean, it was a it was a really a sort of how do we think about and proxy for trust? And it was coming off the back of a conversation also about Apple and how um, uh, the market for trust is one that's really uh, oftentimes not priced or discussed, but actually, uh, ha- you know, it's, it's something that we proxy for. Um, and and that, that kind of gave way to a discussion about Bitcoin and crypto in general. And we thought, why don't we get Anders on? Because he's uh, big in this world, uh, knows, knows a bit more about it than both of us. So um, I thought what we could do is um, have, you know, lay down the, the primitives of all of these different pieces, put them together and kind of pass them out a little bit. Um, but mostly I'm going to get out of the way. Um, and uh, I thought maybe what would be really useful uh, for, for everybody, Anders, is because I don't, th- I don't know if you've talked about it that much um, in any of your, on any of the, the, the episodes that have been in the past, but to explain a little bit about what you've been doing and your background in this space and, and then um, and that'll give way to, I'm sure, a bit of conversation. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I, I think we've touched on it from, you know, uh, once or, or maybe twice, but not, certainly not in depth. Uh, I don't think um, my my background as it pertains to this is um, I was working in R&D at a uh, telecom company called bandwidth.com. Uh, I was running the R&D kind of shop or arm. And uh, the CEO uh, came to me and said, you know what, you know what we really need to do is stop kind of, you know, just doing the 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 very simple um, sort of next iteration thing and tell me what's going to disrupt our business. Um, so I, uh, you know, basically sat back in my chair, threw pencils into the ceiling and uh, tried to look at where we were going. Now, so this is a telecom company and innovation in the telecom world is pretty much you uh, you get a box and you uh, slap your your sticker on it, and you make a pricing sheet, and and that's you know how how things how carriers are, are sort of innovating. It's like you know clever combinations of things that come off the shelf. Um, that's not interesting. Um, however, uh, this was rel- relatively early on in the uh, lifetime of Bitcoin. I think it was uh, 2010 or maybe early into 2011, and. I realized that now here is a decentralized uh, store of you know who owns how much of what could very easily be adapted to you are your phone number I am this phone number and then you know transactions are when you port your number from one person to another or carrier to another whatever it is uh, so that's obviously very destabilizing for a telecom company that has been selling keys to the gate, you know, basically they're a gatekeeper. Um, uh, So I realized that that was going to be, uh, you know, ultimately where this whole thing is going. Uh, We're not going to have gatekeepers for that type of thing. Uh, So I dove down. And when you say this kind of thing, you mean the database of who owns which phone number? Yeah. For example. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. telecom case. So then I, I dove into it because I'm a technologist. I'm I come to this from you know just a love of uh, technology and what it can do and and sort of what assurances it can generate and and was very enthused by the fact that you know just straight up math can 
be all you need to rely on. You know, as long as math keeps, you know, uh, operating the way that it does, uh, you can make some very interesting assurances. Um, there was always this big problem, though, you know, so, so math is great, but doesn't really work with human greed, human, uh, you know, the way humans work. Um, so there needed to be something that was a lot more broad than just a computer science take on, uh, you know, how do we create a, uh, a digital good? Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of dove into that and it was really interesting because it, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, just a, an, a, like an advance in the field of computer science. It was really an advance of a collection of, com a collection of things that really already existed. Um, so I do have pretty deeply into that and, and that really totally changed the course of my life. Um, I stopped working for that telecom uh, and ended up working uh, at a, a startup at the time called Circle, which was working on basically making Bitcoin accessible. Uh, and that turned into, you know, a, a pretty large concern, which was uh, a lot of fun. Out of that work, I ended up teaching the first blockchain class over at MIT. I uh, have always maintained pretty close ties over there. And uh, that, you know, that was sort of, you know, there, there's a close collaboration, let's just say, between Circle and, and MIT. And so I, I uh, you know, MIT asked me to come in and, and teach this class, so I did. Um, and then uh, ultimately where that led is, uh, you know, this, this interest in finance, which I originally started out at uh, Dow Jones in New York. So uh, there was always that love of finance there. I went off in the internet direction, I suppose. Um, but then I, I came back and, and I realized that, uh, you know, digital assets that had that had value that were just on you know maybe some collection of scarcity and immutability and and whatnot just gave it value and th that is very valuable and that's that's uh you know really interesting really to kind of add rocket fuel here you need to tie it to assets that already exist so i uh I, you know a bunch of us uh, at circle built this thing called usdc which is a uh, stable coin. Um, I think it's the second largest stable coin in the world now. It's almost a billion dollars. Um, so that's a that was a, a really interesting project and got got me, you know, very excited. I suppose about what you could actually do if you had a, a real digital dollar. Um, and so uh, now I'm working with the Federal Reserve, uh, looking at central bank digital currencies and um, kind of, you know, trying to trying to move the ball forward on, on that realm. So that's like a 50,000 foot view of where it, you know, where it's important here. I think there's a lot more we can discuss about kind of, you know, how, how do you get trust? And, and um, you know, like, I, I think probably the most interesting thing is what you're talking about. Like, how do you score it? There are markets to yeah. score, you know, many things, but it's super hard to actually directly score trust. You really can't. You need proxies for it. So I, I think that's a very interesting discussion. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, the part that uh, had, as I said, had spurred this conversation was Horace and I talking about um, Apple Key. Yeah. So that the new um, system for th that Apple is really underpinning and building the ecosystem in which they become the trusted gate mm -hmm. um, through which 
uh, you can do the find my whatever asset that I own. Um, the you know you, you have a, a kind of a range of different things. Um, maybe Horace, maybe we can pass that out a little bit more around why Apple is such an interesting player in this space because I think that's oftentimes not something that's discussed about why they're so interesting as a company. Well, let me before we get into that. Let me well first. Nice to be back with Anders. Um, yeah. <laughs> we go way back, uh, and and his his life journey is fascinating. And I think it's congratulations on your move to the Federal uh, Reserve. I'm sure Thank it's you. fascinating. Yeah. We can't tell much of what's going on there. I'm sure uh, will probably re- be revealed years from now. Um, but the, the the what I want to get at, you know, I think that we've kind of come at this question of crypto for a long time and then you know uh back and forth in terms of what is it really i remember one of the things you taught me is like you don't want to implement uh things on the blockchain unless they really make sense to be done that way not a a database because like there are this is not a technology for keeping track of things it's not suited for everything as people were trying to put everything on the blockchain if you can do it with a database do it with a database you don't need this for so one of the one of the questions then is what is it good for what is it really uh all about and i think i think the question of trust is at the bottom of what it does and it's not about the fact that it stores things you know as you said immutably uh it's it's that you can embody in it uh, an institution that normally you have people doing it, right? The the institution uh, which is composed of people, which ends ends up having this uh, power of trust, if you will, and that got me thinking even further because the very notions there are several things we have markets for. We have markets for, you know, one of the things we talk about micro mobility is a market for miles, and like you know that transportation needs to evolve to the point where you're buying distances, which is what the real objective is, as opposed to buying an object that lets you travel distances, uh, you know, moving for objects, or even a service, but really the, the outcome you're looking for is miles. And then, you know, the real question is that there are some intangibles out there which for which there's no market. One of them is love. There's very little way of quantifying it. And everybody says, you can't buy me love. But you know, it's maybe it'll never happen. But there's a, there are different things that you that don't have markets for. So one of those things is is trust, and it's one of the most powerful things in the world. As as is the case for love, as is the case for for uh, you know the, these these intangibles. You know, talk about things which are priceless. Art, for example, is very hard to price art. Um, in, in some cases, you know, uh, the antiquities and things like which are considered priceless, which there's no way to put a number on them. So the point I'm trying to make is that um, is this technology really trying to or, uh, you know, potential there being that it can price trust? And this is one of if it were the case, then it is one of the greatest inventions of all time because in fact currency itself is one of those greatest inventions of all time i was i was uh, uh, uh watching some youtube videos recently about the uh, one of the earlier known dark ages of humanity maybe not early may, maybe there were millions of, or thousands of dark ages we don't know about because they're prehistory but within history there's the the there was a dark age uh, at the end of the 
1280 or so, 1200, late 1200 BC. And and one of the things I was watching was like they said, well, by the by the way, the, the, back then there was no coinage. That coinage had not yet been invented, as as currencies didn't exist. So people got paid. So ancient Egyptians, as a result, didn't have money. So there was a period at one point in time in which money was invented. You know, the idea of stamped coins that, that you could use as a proxy for, for uh, you know, bartering things. And, and I was thinking about, you know, wow, imagine if you were the person who invented money. Um, and, and what a concept, what a concept. Like zero is a concept that was also had to be invented because people didn't have zero for many, many, for, for, well, forever until it finally appeared. And so this is, we take things like these for granted. Sure, we know about the wheel. Sure, we know about fire. But what about the zero? What about money? And what about this thing that potentially could quantify something which we never even thought it needed to be quantified? I'm sure people who, who were going around for thousands of years without money didn't say, you know, boy, I wish we had money. You don't need to have an idea of what money would be, right? <laughs> Um, so the the thing about the 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 now is like we're we going around. Nobody's asking. This is classic Jobs, right? Stephen Jobs. Uh, nobody's asking for for the thing that this gets us to do, right? So so uh, long intro, right? But the thing I'm trying to get at is whether uh, and this is I'm putting it to you guys because I don't know. Uh, but whether this this new technology can allow us to to eliminate the need for a trusted body, which now we have to pay a lot of money to. So the, 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 the cost to society for having trust is, 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 is feeding and, and caring of institutions, number one. But also, when they fail and we lose trust, it's actually an even bigger loss because you end up really breaking society in ways that it doesn't heal. And so the, 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 the challenge historically has been like fighting entropy. It's like trust is eroding. Trust erodes naturally. And so you end up with having these institutions that over time effectively lose their effectiveness. And then we have to build something else to embody trust. And so over time you have these, 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 you know, these, these factors which cause us to continue to pay more and more in terms of not just the, again the, the 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 bill that comes, but also the the fact that that boy uh, society does not function well because we don't have to trust institutions that are trusted effectively. So um, so I'm asking whether we can actually create these artif uh, not artificial but maybe that is the right term artificial institutions, synthetic institutions of trust, and whether that is the real ultimate purpose of crypto, not as a, just a store of value, which it is, but also not even as, as artificial money or a new form of money, which it might be. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if it satisfies monetary supply questions and maybe that's what you're working on. But the, 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 the real problem of like, can we actually build uh, uh, systems of trust? That's my open question here, hoping to get answers. Yeah, that's a good question. Let me let me push back on the um, the origins of money. Um, it really does depend on what you actually mean by money. If you mean like a fiat, or if you mean a uh, a coin, or uh, something like that. And and the reason I ask is because I don't know about you, but like I was taught way back in the day that you know everybody was bartering, and then somebody came up with the idea of money, and now we have money and we move forward. Uh, I don't think it worked like that. 
the coincidence of needs pretty much never lines up. So what people end up doing is they um, they come up with you know a uh, an idea like um, you know here's a record of how much uh, you know you owe me or how much I've you know I've killed this buffalo and I shared it when I had it and you remember that I did that so then later on you know you kind of come back and and you know call in that favor so that ledger or that um, uh, just the memory of the uh, the who owes what well, is essentially money. The, yeah, but this okay. So yeah, I I, I, I fair point and and let me like, the reason I'm I'm stating of a date is because it was a, a sort of a it's accepted by people that the first minted coins were around 600 BC 650 BC. And therefore, anything before that, so we've only had these for 2,600 years, let's say. Um, but but there was barter before then, uh, but it was because the limitations of that, you know, transporting things and also accounting for things made, you know, m coinage was a way to allow really the notion of debt and the notion of of transporting a store of value so much more practical uh the the you know there are claims that you know we were doing something along the lines of barter for hundreds of thousands of years but that's what i'm trying to get at is is the system also by by the way you know accounting itself took much much longer to, to be established you know complex writing system had to be in, in presence and when we're talking about you know uh, barely anybody was literate ar around, you know, 600 BC. So um, it, it's that's what yeah. I'm getting at. Um, but anyway, go on. Yeah. So so um, so you have you have this, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you have a barter system, but you also have this. I remember how much you know you owe me, or I owe you, or whatever. And then when money comes out, or or really a unit of account comes out, you have this coordinating system. That's really what money is. It's a it's a you know universal a you know accounting system or coordination uh, uh, system for society and suddenly society becomes a lot more efficient and then you can have the you know the egyptian empire and and all these you know kind of these empires that that follow on they can be much more uh you can coordinate a lot more people together than maybe a, a small you know agrarian villager or, or whatever it happens to be because you only can remember so and so many people you know you can only have a hundred relationships or whatever it is so money gives you that ability to um you know i don't actually know you uh, but we can still uh, uh you know interact to the mutual betterment of both of us um which is how wealth is created um, so, uh, in order to do that, right, that key that you're talking about, that little missing thing that you need there is trust. You need that, you need to have that trust with that stranger, which otherwise you would have had with a personal relationship. You need to be able to have that with a wider group. So money drops in as the unit of account of that trust almost exactly. that lets you do that. Um, right. So, so you, then you, I, you had essentially within coinage the beginning of a trust system so that a stranger yeah. uh when when they say you know i 
I wish to acquire something from you, but I can't trade with you in kind, so we can't barter. I'm going to give you these tokens, yeah. but you have to believe me that they're worth something. And we both agree that they're worth something. Now, they could be made of metals that are actually precious, and then we have a way to turn them into into the things we we desire but it may but that value itself is 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 variable so we don't know really if this is worth two sheep you think it is the guy tells me that this coin is worth two sheep but you know you better have a trust system in place for you to you know really really transact with this artificial idea of of a good and that that's that's key to the the whole notion i think i think a lot of the arguments being made about the, the value of of cryptocurrencies or the, the these mysterious uh, again monies that we are we are fabricating kind of in people saying are have no utility and have no value except what other people say they have well that's exactly what money is but mm-hmm. it, it, to me the the, the 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 innovation here because of the solution that was derived for the traveling uh, uh, sorry the with the two generals problem um, it, it, that solution is is the breakthrough needed to allow us to rebuild a lot of other structures that I think uh, currently are are a net inefficiency for society. Right. 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 Yeah. So here's the here is where I, I I'm gonna go with this. So uh, prior to this, uh, prior to uh, you know fiat currencies where you just say it has value you can trust me because i'm the central government to to stand behind it in some way with my military with my uh you know you you have to pay taxes by demanding taxes be paid by demanding to be the coin of the realm essentially that that allows this coordination system to work and now you can trust people beyond your 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 social group um if we were to be able to drop in and replace the the uh, the government with uh, some kind of a you know system that was decentralized, a lot more decentralized, not not completely trustless, of course, but trust distributed in such a drastic to such a drastic degree that it is you know reasonably inconceivable that it would be thwarted to you know affect my transaction if we can do that if that can be dropped in then you know then we actually have the ability now to be a lot more coordinated than we ever could be having to all trust a centralized entity right so that's the hope now if you look at that argument like well what about gold Right, gold. There's no con- there's no government that just mints like makes gold. For some reason, people for many thousands of years have prized that, have said that this has value. Well, why does it have value? Well, it's hard money. It's not money that you can just you know create somehow. You have to you know find some amount of the limited supply, and we have you know a statistical guess of how much of that supply exists in the crust of the earth. And as long as that remains relatively, you know, constant and nobody goes out and lassos an asteroid and brings it in uh, with, with lots of gold on it, you know, we're, we're pretty confident that that's, that's going to remain 
a a limited supply but but now suddenly we have this limited supply that can instantly pop up on the other side of the world uh you know kind of without borders effectively instantly but very very fast um well yeah you're not, speaking about digital gold right yeah that it that it's easy to transport and transmit where gold isn't and yet it's finite as gold is uh or semi-finite yeah. um and yes that but that the, the argument there is we again we trust gold gold does have some practical value in, in terms of uses mm-hmm. you know uh, but it, uh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't you can't defend the price of gold Seventeen hundred dollars an ounce, or whatever it is right now, on its utility. To how it, uh, yeah, its utility, because yeah. you know the gold on my screen of my iPhone in my rough back of the napkin was like three hundred bucks an ounce. That's as high as I could ever make it. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I get it, but the, but what I'm saying yeah. is that though that beyond that, to me, that is the store of value, and therefore we can we can we can decide how much it's worth. Because there is a finite amount of it, and and there there um, there we can all agree that it is the 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 the, the medium of exchange. Yeah, I I I'm just thinking beyond that, trying to look beyond that. Because the, the, see, here's yep. the argument that came into my head: is like one reason uh, um, when when he was asked, uh, um, Warren Buffett said, "I do not, I'm not interested in Bitcoin." any more than I'm interested in gold as an asset because I want to have a yeah. productive asset. I want to ask mm-hmm. something that um, multiplies itself over time because not just because other people think it's worth something, but because it creates something. And that's a fair argument for the value of an equity versus uh, versus a gold. And gold is a defensive uh, investment, whereas you could argue uh, an equity is sort of very much an optimistic defense or optimistic investment in, in, in terms of like what can come out of nothing. But yeah. the, the, so what, I'm, what I wanted to though think about is a counter argument to the idea that Bitcoin is only a store of value and that it can be a productive asset that has utility. And that utility uh, in the way I'm thinking about it is, and again, because there's no market for it, it's very hard to explicate this, to explain this, is, is to, to say that it is embodied within it is the notion of trust itself. So mm-hmm. the, the, the premise of, of saying, well, imagine if all the world's institutions could be based on, on this cryptocurrency, and mm-hmm. that includes all of the, the underwriting, all of the banking, all of the 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 uh, the federal reserves wh- whatever all the things we have out there to to keep things on the rails if you will if 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 we say that well since we only have this asset in order to implement those things then its value is not just what we agree upon but its value will be the net present value of all the future trusts <laughs> that yeah. exist in other words all yeah. these all because we can't quantify that trust today we can't yes. say how much is it worth actually we do in a sense by paying these intermediaries right but how much is it really worth for for me to trust uh somebody or or how much is that trust relation that relationship between two trusted uh, uh persons uh worth to me because you know personally as individuals go this is a huge thing to trust somebody is 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 like to love somebody it is it is so important that business runs on this basis right 
you know you can work with somebody, you know you can hire mm. somebody, you know that person is a good person because you trust that they're a good person. You believe it. It's as simple as that. And we know it instinctively, intuitively. We, uh, we base all, a huge number of, of our decisions on that basis. And, and, and a person needs to earn a trust. Remember, we use this phrase all the time. How? Well, by behaving well and not, not failing and not, not uh, betraying. Uh, and so you earn trust and you lose trust. And so, what's that worth? How do we put a how do we put a put a marketplace together? And I think this is when I said this. This is when Oliver kind of, you know, yeah. Pulled. Well, I, I can also give a little bit of context as to where that came. But so, so my interest in crypto had come about because um, when I was at Uber, one of the things that um, really struck me about our business model is that we were collecting a fee of twenty five or twenty eight percent really is a that was the that was the trust fee and that was a trust fee because on one side we were building a ledger of drivers that were safe and then on the other side we were building a um a database of riders that were safe and then we were connecting those to the rider and the driver and we were charging 28 percent to access that database um and then facilitate a transaction right and and I, you know, when, when Horace, you started talking about what is the cost of that network or like, what is the cost of that trust? I, you know, the conceptual idea that I have and why I thought it was so interesting to Apple and, and others as well, is that at the moment we delegate all of that trust, right? We delegate that who, who is safe to interact with or how do we, how do we, um, you know, the, the gatekeepers of those databases of things that are, uh, are secure and trustworthy. Um, and, the, and we pay a fee of anywhere from sort of 0.5% or whatever to, or more percent um and if that was able to be uh effectively uh taken away so <clears throat> also give a little bit of further context when i was at uber i was in, in, in what we called our blockchain working group and and we had looked at at the time what would be the impact of uh, decentralized marketplaces coming along and having um you know uh lift and all the taxi companies and everybody unite all of their supply together and effectively have a clearing house for, for, for next to no fee of all of the rides that were in a city. That was a strategic risk, I think, for Uber is this idea of a clearing house, which is obviously like where we've, where we kind of have got to in our discussions around micromobility is how do we have interoperative, uh, supply, um, and, and how do those guys, you know, how do all of those suppliers cooperate, um, to be able to provide, that and I can just see that there's a marketplace that comes along for this trust. If you can, if you can effectively uh, stop having it all be in sit in silos, but actually, like I can trust the protocol, you can trust the protocol, so we can all trust each other. So that's a profound reorganization. So, so you said that uh, uh, within Uber at the time, a trust, uh, a clearinghouse, was seen as a strategic threat. I would, I would argue. Well, wait, wait, wait. well. I would argue it's seen as a strategic threat because the trust is not priced properly because the rent that is being taken is too high for the service that is actually being delivered. So if, if you go to a model where dr there's drivers and there's people wanting dry rides and you're essentially an app manufacturer working on a better UI and that's it, you don't get paid what you otherwise would being the gatekeeper, right? That means the gatekeeper is extracting way too high of a rent because I think that seems pretty obvious because if you sit back 
and uh, you don't have a single gatekeeper, you aggregate all the information, I mean, just set it, the price goes down to like near zero. So, so yes. you know, you know, but conversely, you're also talking about, well, what is the future value of, of the trust? You know, so right now we're saying that, that it's not as high as the gatekeepers are. And maybe you say Apple's, you know, uh, App Store is sort of the same idea. Yeah, you're controlling yeah. both sides of the, the pie, you, you can, you know, extract a rent. Um, if that, if that, we, you know, if that is, is essentially not, not eliminated, because there is, there should be a price for matching buyers, and there is a matching engine here, right? There is a price for that. But it shouldn't be as high as, as, uh, you know, maybe a single monopolist within a sin single system would price it then um what about the future like you know to some sense you could just say like well the future actually doesn't matter you know so you know we we have the system and it it works and uh you know we'll we'll trust it in the future we don't have to add value you know add to the price of it right now because we will in the future you know, if you look at if you look at Bitcoin, for example, you have to pay the network all the time. The miners are are constantly using electricity. It is a it is a a large bill that needs to continuously be paid. So, if the price of Bitcoin is to remain, uh, you know, okay, it's volatile, etc., whatever, but like it still remains at a non-zero, relatively you know high compared to zero price. It's got to have a constant inflow, and and if it's to go up, that inflow has to has to you know expand and stay expanded, right? Are they paying for the future? I mean, to some sense they are because they're setting the the target, the the difficulty target of the the whole system, but that can be recomputed within a couple of weeks. It's not that big of a deal. You just need to have it there enough so that it doesn't get subverted. And then you have something in the future that's, uh, you know, you know, you have a good in the future that you can use. Um, so, yeah, that's so, I, so let I, me let me ask some basic questions because I'm not of this world as, as you guys are. So um, uh, there how many coins are left to be mined? Uh, what, what We're is in like it's a couple million. We're like around eighteen and a half million or so coins out of twenty, slightly less than twenty-one million so is there, for Bitcoin. Is there a date when that's expected to be reached? Uh, it, it's it it's like in the two thousand three hundreds. It's it's effectively irrelevant because uh, with this past having that just happened this year. The rate of inflation, you know, the rate of new coins showing up, it just keeps cutting in half every four years, is now below 2%. Um, so oh, it's I just going to so, so I, I was under the impression that there was, that there was, there was a sort of a, a, yeah, a, there's an a, end, end point to this. So there is. Yeah. Well, it, it, you, basically, the reward is less than a single Satoshi, so it's it stops. Oh, so the mining is going to stop at some point? No, no, no. Mining will continue, and mining is paid for by people surrendering fees for transactions. 
there's still so much to learn. <laughs> this is not. Well, this is a topic that's difficult to convey. Yeah, it is. It is. I took a stab at it yeah. with a, a video, <laughs> uh, uh, blockchain 101. It's like a video on on YouTube uh, that that walks through it in a visual way. Uh, but uh, you know, as an attempt. Mm. Like I, I'll go. Yeah. I'll link to that in in, uh, in the show notes. The part that I think, um, I, the part, if I can bring it back to to what I, um, where I think it's particularly interesting is this: um, if we to go back to this idea that money in the beginning has, you know, it was used as a mechanism to coordinate, and then we built ledges of tracking who owned, who owed what to whom, and though that if we pointed to that ledger that mm-hmm. that was a coordination tool. By which, by which we could say, well, you know, James owes um, John, you know, this this amount, um, and the fact that those ledgers over time they have become more secure. So the the kind of the very notion that someone is a gatekeeper, you know, we we now delegate trust to a government. The government tracks who is a U.S. citizen and who is not a U.S. citizen. Um, we, you know, that the, they'll. Um, so it's not only money; it's actually sort of in a wider sense, um, a delineation between who is and who isn't and i think the kind of conceptual idea about why i find blockchain so so fascinating is this idea that well what happens if you didn't have any single person who coordinated that there wasn't one person who was the gatekeeper and therefore anybody could add into this um you know permissionlessly they were able to add additions to this uh to this ledger and the ledger would just continue to, to be updated but any any addition to that to that database is trustable and and especially if it's the, talking about an exchange between two groups and when we you know what we have at the moment is we've got these very large tech monopolies so groups like apple or google or facebook are really building very very large platforms um that look unassailable and yet what we have in this form of technology is the ability to be able to build databases that don't require any single central point it's not a company that maintains a record or uh, anything but we can actually have secure ways of storing information that don't require us to trust and delegate our trust to apple or delegate our trust to google well, or to amazon so right i think i think you're right i think bitcoin is a trust machine it happens to be you know people are valuing the token and it's essentially a casino you know whether or not people value it and the price goes up or down but at yeah. the end of the day like i could invent something really interesting. Uh, Maybe I publish a PDF and put it on my website. Um, 10 years from now, somebody comes back and says, oh, I I say I had this idea and here's the file from 10 years ago on my website. And they look at that and they say, oh, you know, you just put that there and and reverted the date. And, you know, they, they would have an argument, right? If instead I took a uh, a hash, like a SHA-256 hash, or, or just I ran some math that came up with a number that, that you can only get from that little, you know, that file. If you change any bit in that file, that number is, is different. That hash is different. And I take that hash and I include it with my transaction of where when I'm sending myself like a tenth of a Bitcoin. I just move money in my own wallet, literally. But I also include that hash that seemingly means nothing. I mean, it just looks like a random number. You don't know what it is. But then 
10 years from now, when the person comes and challenges me in the court of law saying, you didn't have, have this idea, and I say, yes, I did, and I can prove that I did, because even though I have a, have a file that I put up on a website and it could have been subverted, if you look back in the record 10 years ago, I put that hash in the blockchain. Now, unless you can unwind the blockchain, which is not reasonable, I would argue, uh, you know, my file must have been the same exact, these, these bits back 10 years ago. So I have proved, so there's a use of a blockchain, as you can do it with Bitcoin right now, uh, that, uh, you know, expands beyond the financial use case. And I would argue that there, there are myriad yeah, yeah, exactly what I'm trying to get at is this point of not so much about the money, which I think everybody's obsessed about the fact yes. that you have this, this artificial money, uh, which is artificial to begin with, but the idea yeah. of uh, synthetic money. And, and you know, the, 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 it's like the old joke, right? Why, why, why do you rob banks? It's because of where the money is. Why are people interested in Bitcoins? Because where the money is. It's all about money, 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 money. Well, the argument I'm trying to make is that really money is itself an instance of trust. And as you made synthetic money, you made synthetic trust in the sense that you're able to now attach things to it that require you to trust it. So like, like you said, you know, you have a hash, which is a unique fingerprint of the, the file attached to an event, which has no implication in terms of whether money changed hands. It's like you said, it's, it's a net zero uh, effect, but it timestamps something and there, it's in part of a register which is immutable and impermanent. Uh, and and that, that must be valuable in, in numbers of ways that are far beyond what we think one Bitcoin's worth. Mm -hmm. or, or is the Bitcoin's worth itself the fact that we trust this, this, huge, ha this huge register? we trust this register that we must put a number on the sum of all the pieces that are its component and then that is the way and I haven't worked out the any of the math or anything just my intuition tells me that maybe that's part of what the value of the coin is after all is that it allows us to embody within it within the blockchain an infinite number of other trusting um, that you know, yep. the trust generations, or whatever you want to yeah. call these, and therefore, therefore, hey, that register then becomes super important because it's the storehouse, yeah, of everything that we trust forever and ever in the future. And if that's the case, then yes, you slide, you you divvy up that huge thing into the pieces that it 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 you know you can trade, and you say, well, now it makes sense that these things are worth a lot of money. Yeah, and that's no, no, where, uh, where I'm trying to get That's exactly at. it. So that, that uh, is the, the, yeah. the way I'm saying, <laughs> when I say that it is the net present value of all the future trust of humanity mm -hmm. embodied within this, this, this register. I, I had this intuition a couple of years back. And I guess I didn't know how to, how to even think about it, but I felt, I felt that there was more to it than just people saying, oh, it's just like gold. It isn't like gold because you can't make gold do things other than what it can do molecularly. Right. You know what I yes. mean? And, and, yes. and so so you, the utility of value of gold. Yes, it's a good insulator. Yes, it's a good uh, a conductor. Um, yes, it's it doesn't uh, tarnish or rust. But 
that, that that's about all you can do with it is physically put it on uh you know in wires or things like that which which are forever but the the thing I, I'm, I'm thinking about is like you know how can we justify this as more than the store value the money aspect of it it's like this, this becomes the embodiment of trust anyway that's where I, this yeah. is was started so right so so it's an anchor right so i i gave the example of anchoring uh you know maybe a patent system type idea you can anchor any you know anything of course any other blockchain i mean if you made a blockchain and uh, you you put some information on it. Nobody would trust you. But if you constantly tag that blockchain to the Bitcoin blockchain, meh, suddenly you kind of borrow the uh, immutability, at least at the checkpoint frequency uh, that, that you pick. Um, there are things that are a lot more important, I would argue, than money. Um, voting would be one of them. If you tagged voting records mm -hmm. to the blockchain so so if you you know with money if you forget the money you forget who has how much what nobody like you know it, it's kind of terrible for the people who had a lot of money but like it, it, it would survive it you know if if you subverted a voting system the 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 that's trust you know, ramifications are disastrous yeah right that's exactly so what trust is so the people have trust yeah. in democracy because they think their vote counts if you corrupt that vote and you 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 therefore uh you know uh, also you could do this with 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 the counterfeiting right if you if you debase the currency and if you if you debase yep. the vote then people lose faith they lose faith to say i don't believe that i don't he's not my leader i didn't mm -hmm. my vote didn't count and furthermore uh, um, you know, I'm going to go set up uh, my own uh, alternate uh, government and, and war follows. That's how yes. bad it can be, right? Yes, and so it, way and so worse. I mean, this is the very... So one of my professors ended up at the National Archives in, the U, in, in D.C. And her point was, is that democracy lives and dies on the quality of its archives, mm -hmm. actually. Because... If you don't have archives, if you don't have a way to build a record of what has happened, there's no yeah. mechanism for accountability. And the the her her frustration at the time was um, that they hadn't made the transition into the digital era in a way that allowed for those all of the documents that were being generated to one be stored and then for them to be able to be stored securely. Well, well, wait, wait. securely and accurately, two um, different things only accurately not securely you can't store like you can't take the library of congress and put it on the blockchain it's not going to fit um but you can hash the library of congress and store the the you know the fingerprint as horace said the digital fingerprint of what it all is and be sure that the collection of bits that that you have and happen to make it actually are the Library of Congress to the bit. Well, I guess the point is that um, if you're able to effectively, what you're doing in doing that is verifying that the, as you say, the, the, the sort of the fingerprint of that document is recorded, that this thing mm -hmm. was here at this time. And if someone tries to give you a different document, a doctored document, something that doesn't actually reflect what it was, you'd be able to tell that this was not yeah. the thing yeah. that they say it was. And mm -hmm. that's, I, you know, in this era of um, 
uh, kind of post-truth era. We need to be able to restore trust in government. What we need to be able to do is restore trust in the institutions by which mm. we all take direction. And unless we can hold those accountable, you break that social contract. And so there's a part of um, why I find this so interesting is that it's a it's almost like a fundamental, un, you know, it's, it's a new technology tool that helps us build better coordination yes. tools for humans. That... It allows us to better build that trust between each other and not have to delegate it to a group that are unaccountable and that don't yes, add, trust that aren't transparent yeah trust is suddenly a primitive that a that a coder can use f- f- upon which to build uh you know a complex system essentially uh that is a a yeah. very radically radically different environment than than we were in before because if you think about a blockchain it's slower it's less efficient everybody has a copy of everything never ever forgets it and keeps it around like what sense does any of this make why would you ever make any of these trade-offs that's why you know Horace said in the beginning you know usually you just for most problems a blockchain right blockchain is not the answer because it's worse in like all these vectors save for one that you have this ability to uh, to leverage trust where you you did not where where you really had to just phone yeah, it I in before. That's why people were so, and myself included, we're, they were we were effectively uh, misdirected early on by the argument that this was an uh, this was a this was a, a better currency, digital gold, or yeah, something. yeah, and then people you know again get got attracted, and many people were advocating that this is the way to to. Uh, obliterate the uh, fiat and, uh, yeah. and 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 I think it was distracting and of course there were also uh, in, by the way there are people I'm sure who are thinking hang on oh you guys are all talking about trust but look at all these failures where people got cheated uh, and 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 the 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 fact that that w- w- it's actually in fact a proof of the notion of trust that ch- cheating happened because in the sense what happened was you you people who put their trust with an agent who would say be the keeper of the coins the the exchanges or the or the well not just there were ICOs which were which were uh, uh, attempts at, uh, at 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 alternative trust uh, uh, and they can only be one and this is the point is like these are trusts that or or, or or blockchains which are of course can be you can create an arbitrary number of new blockchains but that doesn't mean you trust any of them that's one problem but also within these altcoins but you also had these exchanges and you had these people absconding with with uh, with millions of dollars uh and and so on but it, it, it i think I'm not articulating this well, but I, but my my point is that this is nothing but a game of trust. It is a game which can be also manipulated by people who are using it to con other people. Confidence, you know, con means confidence, trickster, mm-hmm. right? So the, the gaining the confidence of someone is about gaining their trust, and therefore you're using a trusting in, an instrument of trust to cheat them. And and so and so of course one has to be very mindful as a as a as a you know as someone who, who wishes to put their trust in something, but the thing about coin the one coin the Bitcoin, is perhaps perhaps proves 
the idea that can be only one. It, it, do you see what I mean? Or is that or is that actually something you disagree with? No, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that, um, y you know, Bitcoin is the trust machine. Um, I think, though, you you might risk selling what what else has happened short if you throw it all out as the only reason it exists is for, um, you know, purposes of gaining trust. Um, that is explicitly not, for example, what, what Ethereum is trying to do. Ethereum is trying to be the global virtual computer. Ethereum is a, a blockchain very similar to, to uh, Bitcoin, except it, it's, ex, it's extremely um, uh, permissive or, or uh, sort of you know, on, on the front of its feet, trying to, do, trying to break things. Uh, where Bitcoin is very much trying to preserve the the trust uh, uh, angle, so Ethereum is is a, a blockchain that allows you to do complex things, write contracts that do uh, interesting things that are that are not possible with Bitcoin. Some contracting is is possible with Bitcoin, but not nearly to the degree with Ethereum. Um, one of the things you can do with Ethereum is you can you know, make a coin. They have a standard for it. It's called ERC-20. Unfortunately, many people have done that. And, and you're right, Horace, a lot of people have been conned out of a lot of money because, uh, you know, things have been set up good intentioned or ill and fallen on their face. And, and a lot of people have lost a lot of money, you know, in that. I don't think, though, that that's the, the goal of that was to you know, in, in all cases, uh, to kind of just take advantage of the trust and, and, and kind of run a con. Um, many of those, uh, those things have, those projects have, have actually shown fruit. I mean, in 2017, a lot of money was put in. It takes a technical team a couple of years, really, to come out with uh, a very significant advance, like to really kind of get there. And a lot, maybe most, of the ICO boom in 2017 you know, fell flat. And a lot of them were well-intentioned people that just could not execute or or ran out of runway or, or just managed their treasuries terribly. There's many uh, stories. But... Um, some some things that have come out of that have been quite interesting. Um, I would argue if you want to know what's going to happen in this area, you need to be looking at uh, DeFi, uh, decentralized finance in Ethereum. They are building all of the building blocks that are Wall Street, pretty much. You know, uh, capital markets. Like like you know how how do how do you have like a lending capability? How do you have uh, you know, how do you make money with your money? <laughs> um, they've they've actually been building these things in a decentralized context, like re really rethinking the fundamental building blocks. And a couple of those building blocks are in place right now, and people are starting to build upon those things. Now, of course, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, people yelling about systemic risk with this. If there, you know, should be an issue here, the whole thing's going to come down on a big house of cards, and there's a lot of sort of rehypothecation that's happening and and you know uh, there are concerns it's not without concern but um it, it what's happening in DeFi right now is is 
nothing short of stunning from from a uh you know sort of a the way the world is going to work perspective um it it it's mm. it's extremely hard to keep up because so much is happening but um you know you you see the future there it's just insane it's it's beautiful the other the other project that i also uh have been really uh in admiration of and this is one that i've mentioned to you horace is is the team at numerai uh who are trying to build a decentralized hedge fund so traditionally when you build a hedge fund you go out and hire a quant and what they did is said well if we were to take the money that we would have paid the quant let's work out how to pay that out to a group of anonymous people who are on a data data tournament so let's run a, a data science tournament every week we'll give them some anonymized data and then we'll trade off their predictions um, and that has now become probably one of the most used app on ethereum um, but what it's built is this very big community who are incentivized to encourage the use of of their their kind of um of that system to compete to be able to be rewarded uh in in a cryptocurrency that works within that little system um i think the and and it has only been possible to enable that the idea of being able to pay anonymous people for data that they otherwise wouldn't know um where that came from it's only possible when you've got a kind of a coordinated trust system um, around that stuff that said um, to your point Anders I think we're so so early this really feels like you know and a lot of the stuff that was tried in 2017 felt like the 98 99 2000 period where everybody was like you know we've got everybody's going to order their groceries online or they're going to buy their pet, pet food online or everything else and just the infrastructure wasn't there and I think what's what we're starting to see now is a lot of that infrastructure yeah. starting to get built um, but conceptually what it enables those new generations of, of um, business models that start to get enabled I think are starting to um, to come around uh, built on that idea that you don't need to have one central place but actually a lot of people can come together coordinate be coordinated with not necessarily one person hitting it or, or yeah the, that's absolutely the case we're we're extremely early I mean there's there's no doubt about that so what recommendations do you guys have anybody to anybody listening how would you would you th do you think that people should participate in this do you do you just advocate buying Bitcoin I I would advocate um, uh, having some skin in the game even if, if, if it's a trivial amount of money hundred bucks whatever uh, so that it will force you to take a look at this and pay attention and keep your your sort of your head in the game. What I, I would not put any significant amount of money in this. Um, I, I, I this is not an investment. <laughs> if anything, it's if the the only investment it is is an investment in your time to learn about this stuff and, and kind of keep track of it and, and watch where it's going. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the, the, uh, some people would say, you know, just buy Bitcoin and, and, you know, as a kind of an option and, uh, you know, if the world flips upside down, it'll be worth a ton of money. That seems to me like a terrible thing to, to worry for want. <laughs> Why would you do that? Um, and the so, world, so yeah. this, this 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 asset does depend on there being a world because it, right it, and and the internet. internet to be working. Yes, yes. 
So, like, how do you yes. think, you know, this, this, I have problems with this because, you know, I speak to a lot of people that would rather there be, you know, no government and, and whatnot. And I wonder, have you been to a city? Have you seen the tall buildings? Do you know <laughs> why that's there? I mean, I get food. I can eat food. I don't really worry about my food. I mean, there's a reason that that's there. You have to respect that. You have to respect the power of of the you know the economic system that exists right now you can't just like if you throw that away it might be great to be a ultra trillionaire but you're going to have nowhere to spend it and you're going to have people trying to kill you so uh, that doesn't seem like a great world i i, I think it it does make sense though to keep your your you know your your toes in this um i I care about things that where I have a, you know, a vested financial interest. And so, um, you know, I play with DeFi because that to me is where the most intellectually compelling things are happening by far. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I play with compound.finance. Um, I, you know, there's, there's really interesting uh, projects. MakerDAO is very interesting um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff sort of in the DeFi umbrella. If you go to Insta DApp, it's InstaDapp.com, you'll, you'll sort of see a dashboard that allows you to interact with a lot of these. That's all on the Ethereum network. Um, there's some other uh, projects that are, that are very interesting that, that um, attempt to improve on different capabilities like ethereum is is very flexible etc but it's it's relatively slow compared to what current technology will do there's some very interesting projects that do away with the very expensive proof of work uh, algorithm uh, for mining and instead replace it with a proof of stake a matter of you know essentially i have a large amount of these coins so the chance that i'm going to subvert the network is low so you can trust me because my future effectively is dependent on these these coins so i sign blocks rather than just anyone there's some very interesting kind of ways that that uh you know it's just a very different incentive system uh, and they're 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 a bunch of networks that are doing this and ethereum interestingly uh potentially this summer uh, is is working on you know kind of trying to jump over to a hybrid proof of work proof of stake system so that's interesting um yeah i i would say you know get involved but don't uh, don't put any money that you you know think about it as the the internet toilet you're sort of flushing it down the toilet it's gone and now you <laughs> yeah now i mean that's how you have yeah. to look at it because uh if not you're you're going to be you know very unhappy when when things go south which many many do and wouldn't it be nice if you know you you had a, a couple of bucks in the game, you know, down the road if something worked out well? Um, yeah, I look at it as as um, if you go back in the early days of the internet and there was Excite and Altivista and uh, Lycos and all these other. I mean, yeah. all of them got destroyed, and I think we're in that period where 
there will be a Google and an Amazon coming out of this. There will also be a lot of everything else that dies. And so, uh, to your point, Anders, I'm in that same boat, which is don't put anything more in there you'd be willing to lose. I do think the interesting, uh, conceptually, my interest is in um, a couple of real-world applications. So one is um, the information market. So Numerai, I think, is really interesting if you're into machine learning. Um, There's also another side of that project called Erasure, which is this a marketplace for information and predictions. Um, and that's certainly something that I think is worth checking out. Erasure Bay um, is, a, is a marketplace where if you've got an idea, you can put, you can, um, at the moment, uh, effectively, you can request someone to do a job for you, but they have to stake some money in order to be able to answer you. So um, it's conceptually a very interesting idea, this idea of staked information. So saying, um, you know, I've got some, I, I might have some uh, information that is worth $5,000 to you, but in order to give it, you know, you also, you have to put up $1,000 and have skin in the game that it's actually going to be a good quality answer, um, wh- which I can see have really kind of quite wide implications. Imagine if you had a dating app where both of you both had $20 on the line that you weren't going to be idiots to mm-hmm. each other and that you'd turn up on time. And, and it's not so much that the other person would get that money if you didn't do it, but that they would just lose it. It, it would just be, it would be gone mm-hmm. from their account. It would be burned. Um, and so that incentivizes better quality behavior out between, between two partners um, who are engaging in a transaction. So I think that's conceptually interesting. And then there's another one, Helium, which we've, we've talked about. Um, we brought it up on the last podcast, but it's this idea of a, a, a database built an open network for low bandwidth communication. So an internet of things, internet that's built by the people um, uh, using these sort of open source uh, base stations that can uh, transmit data from anywhere from two to 10 kilometers. Um, And and people are rewarded in cryptocurrency in order to be able to provide coverage and also to facilitate transactions. So interesting companies, I mean, that one's interesting for me from from a perspective that micromobility, a lot of the devices, it's very challenging to be able to communicate where those devices are at the moment you have to do that on a 3G or a 4G network. The cost is two to three dollars a month on a shared scooter. This could bring that right down to sort of ten cents or twenty cents a, a month. Um, you know, order of magnitude different. So, th- you know, and in that regard, I think those are really cool. And then, yeah, like Anders said, just the, you know, it's it's interesting to have a little bit of skin in the game. It it helps uh, anchor your thinking around. Um, uh, okay, is this actually, if it's going up or going down, I have a, a, a feeling yeah. in my stomach. <laughs> well, there's, there's another point that, I want to yeah. make about value capture. Um, we're, we're, we're making these, these analogs to kind of where the web was at, at a certain point in time, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the web, very early 90s, and then, you know, everybody is saying it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. We're going to buy books, movies, blah, 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 pets, whatever, online. Took a long time for that to appear. Yeah, but where was the value capture? You couldn't, like, get a token that represented HTTP. Or let's even take it back further, right? What is the Internet? The Internet is TCP, right? Transmission Control Protocol, Internet Protocol. Could you buy an option on TCP? No. It's just an open standard. This is a very different thing in that you can actually buy the token. Now, in the case of the 2017, you know, ICO boom, there are many tokens created that did not capture the value, either because the entity went bust or because the, 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 the token was actually not valuable. 
like in the case of uh, possibly ZeroX, which is a token for uh, decentralized exchanges. That, that wasn't where the value was being, you can't really capture the value in a token for that. You could capture it maybe in, the, in Ethereum. Um, so what's new is there's this ability to, to buy an option on, on these networks, essentially buy a piece of the protocol. And that's new, we never had that ability. Um, and for it to grow like the weed that the internet is, like that's really a compelling thing. Um, but you have to be careful because uh, the value capture can just flow up, you know, into a higher level. And you'll end up being, holding a token that's ultimately not, you know, not nearly as valuable as something maybe that's on a higher level. Um, although that brings in some really interesting issues, like for example, um, if so, so I, as I mentioned, I, I worked on USDC, which is a U.S. dollar coin. So there is a dollar in a bank account for every token. ERC-20 token in the case of Ethereum that, that is printed. So if I want to move that dollar around, I pay some gas, so some Ethereum, some ETH, to move that dollar around. Now it's, it's you know, pennies compared to what you would normally pay maybe to, to move that money traditionally. And it also moves at the speed of crypto very quickly. Um, but yet I still, you know, I still need to, to, uh, to, to have that. So let's say you had all of these stable coins and let's say the, just to make crazy numbers, let's say it's a trillion dollars of stable coins. So one ETH right now, it's, I think is about $240. You're paying fees to move that stuff around in one ETH. Suddenly there's this perverse incentive where you can, you could like, um, uh, you know, uh, essentially make a economically irrational decision in the Ethereum realm, in other words, that token at the very bottom, so that you can subvert things that happen on a higher layer. And it doesn't matter that I threw away $10 billion of ETH to do it. I mean, this is preposterous because that's the value of the ecosystem right now. But um, you get, you follow me because I can capture a trillion or, you know, some way higher number. So, you know, there is still a connection, right, in, in cases, and, and maybe in the case of ETH, there still is a connection to, to whatever value is created kind of above it. Ethereum kind of still has that, you know, it's going to be pulled along because if it's not, the whole system is gonna be subverted and the trust is gonna go away. So it better be pulled along by necessity. So it, it makes you kind of think through those things, owning tokens in there. And you can own tokens on the higher level too and kind of understand their relationship. So yeah, uh, this is a long way of saying, I think, you know, owning, owning something, you know, in, in those layers really helps you dive in and understand it uh, and follow it. Um, so yeah, big fan of that. Cool. Hey, I think we're over, but that's a good, we are. good, uh, <laughs> that was a good talk, good conversation. Yeah. For Thanks. sure. It was. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody. For, thank uh, you. This was uh, a blast. And, uh, you know, I hope Judd is uh, uh, sipping a Mai Tai on, on the beach somewhere. <laughs> Very good. Thanks again. And we'll be in touch.